0: In John chapter 9, Jesus, I'm going to read, I mean, the message comes from verse 1 to verse verse 41. It's a long passage, so I will read uh, just a portion of it. Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they see a man born blind and the disciples conclude it is because of sin. And they ask Jesus, who is responsible for his blindness? And Jesus responds to them saying, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In this passage, we see the difference between light and darkness, which is a reflection of the difference between faith And unbelief. The disciples see the blind man, and the first thing that comes to their mind is sin. Jesus sees the same man, and the first thing that comes to his mind is God's power. There's a difference the disciples are looking for someone to blame, Jesus sees an opportunity to display God's grace. It happens to us all the time. We face a difficult situation and we are tempted to blame others for it instead of Seeing it as an opportunity that will display God's power to us. It is normal for us when we are facing difficulties to have questions. Like the disciples, we ask questions because we want to deal with what we are facing, whether it's pain, whether it's a sickness, we have questions, why is this happening to me? Whether it's a a relationship conflict loss of job, or even loss of life. We ask questions because we are trying to deal with the issue. And sometimes we are tempted to blame God or blame others. This is happening to the disciples. If God is so loving... So kind and so caring. Then why do his people suffer? Now listen to what Jesus says here. He says this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus is not saying that God made this man blind so that he can heal him. That's not what he's saying. God does not create problems just so that he may provide a solution for the same problems. That's the work of politicians. No pun intended. (laughs) What Jesus is saying here will bring us to our first point. I have two points here. What he's saying is that the Lord can use suffering to display his power. That's why he's telling the disciples, this happened so that God's power may be displayed. He's telling them that this is an opportunity for you and for this person and for others to see God's power. And a problem in a life, in the life of a Christian, is always an opportunity to display God's power. It's always an opportunity for God to be glorified. That's why Romans 8, 28 says that he, he works all things for good. It is always for our good and for his glory. Jesus is saying to them, you don't have to focus on who did it or who did not do it. You need to focus on who can change it. The Lord can use suffering to display his power. That means that suffering can be a platform that glorifies God, a platform that gives us an opportunity to experience the glory of God. He uses our suffering so that we can be a testimony of his greatness. This doesn't mean that he has to solve the problem. Do you know that you can be a testimony? You can have a testimony of God's greatness while you are still going through a difficulty. That God's power can still be displayed when you are still in that process. It's not an easy truth to accept. But let's look at Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles, had a thorn in his flesh. Right? He says, three times, I asked God to remove the thorn from my flesh. His prayer was short and specific. Remove the thorn from my flesh. He says, Three times I did that. And God, instead of removing the thorn, he said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul's mind changed. His focus changed. The thorn was still there, but he focused on God's grace. His vocabulary changed. Instead of praying, God, remove my thorn, he started praising God. He began to say, even though I am weak, then I am strong. The pain was still there, but now he became a testimony of God's greatness. He realized that my suffering is a platform that can glorify God in my life. This is not about healing. If God chooses to heal me, that's fine. If he chooses not to heal me, I will still glorify him. Because my greatest sickness was healed on the cross. Suffering can be used by God to display his power. And when we realize that as Christians, it gives us a fresh perspective on the difficulties that we face in this life. I have shared with you here about my son Wisdom, who was born with cerebral palsy fifteen years ago, and the first year was so difficult for us. Being Christians, we are asked, we were asked, we were, we were asking questions. And people were pointing at us, giving us all sorts of ideas, some telling us we need to repent, maybe there's something that we did. We have a habit of seeing difficulties as a punishment rather than as opportunities for us to see the power of God. And we have prayed for wisdom. We continue to pray for him. But God began to open our eyes by using him to shape us. And that changed our prayer. It changed how we see him. It changed how we were responding to him because we saw him as God's vessel in our life. And I tell you that God, I can tell you that God has used him to shape our character, to shape our thoughts, to shape our attitudes. And today, we are so grateful that we have him in our lives. God has used him to display his power, his grace, even without healing him. But I will admit here that our first few years we prayed for his healing, we thought that that was going to be the solution. But God said, My grace is sufficient. He said, This has happened so that my power may be displayed. And He has used Him for our good and for His glory. In the scripture, there is a young man called Joseph, who had a dream. How many here have dreams? I'm referring to visions, not not, not those dreams you have after you've eaten more than enough. (laughs) Joseph had a vision, and he believed that it was from God, and he understood the vision. He told it to his father and to his brothers, and they understood it. They understood that Joseph was going to be a big person one day, and Joseph knew that. But things began to happen in his life. His own brothers wanted to kill him. One time they wanted to kill him, then they changed their mind and decided to throw him into a pit. The pit was not part of the dream. The pit was not in the dream. He never saw the pit, but he found himself there. And I think in the pit is when the enemy whispers to your mind and mine that God has left us. It is when we are in the pit that the enemy tells us that this God cannot be trusted. But when you are in the pit, you also know that your help can only come from above. And then he also found himself in prison. The prison was not in the dream. But everything that was happening in his life, God used it. He used it for his glory. He used it to bring Joseph to where he wanted him to be. This is why we shouldn't be so quick to complain or even to give up if we still trust in God. Because he is able to use every situation that we face to glorify himself. He is able to display his power regardless of what we are going through. And our desire should be to see that power. This happened so that God's power may be displayed in him. And, you know, Joseph understood this later on. When he was the high p- uh, prime minister in Egypt, when he was in charge of the international food pantry in Egypt. And he told his brothers, you intended to harm me in Genesis 50 verse 20, but God intended it for good. You can only say that after you have gone through the process. Not when you are going through it. It's difficult when you are going through it unless you really realize that I need to focus on the Lord. But it's difficult when you are going through the process to see the Lord. Because the enemy will try to distract you so that you focus on the pain, you focus on the problem. And the more you focus on a problem, the more the problem controls you. So after saying to the disciples, this happened so that God's power may be displayed... Jesus spit on the ground. He made some mud with saliva, and then he applied it on the blind man's eyes. And then he told him, go and wash yourself. Now, this blind man here could have said, no. No. I am the best blind man in town. (laughs) Why do you want to interfere with my life? Do you know at times when you are so much used to the problem, a solution can be another problem? I've been enjoying begging, now you you want me to start working? Because when Jesus tells him, go and wash, he is not asking, he is commanding him. At that point, he needed to make a decision whether to obey or to disobey Jesus. I have said here that as Christians, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice. But let me tell you something, we don't like listening to the Holy Spirit. When God uses someone to speak to us, to tell us something that we may not want to hear, and even though at times we know this is is really true, we will find ways of avoiding it. One of the best ways, I think it's an American way, is to say, I disagree with you, or I don't agree with you. It's one way we avoid, we resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we say, I disagree, or I don't agree, Even before we understand what is being said, you cannot agree or disagree with someone before you understand them. You first understand and then you decide whether you're going to agree or disagree. But Christians avoid the conviction of the Holy Spirit by saying, I disagree, or I don't agree, or by saying, that is your opinion. I have mine. I'm not saying that you need to agree with everything that you hear. I'm saying we need to be sensitive because the Holy Spirit also uses people to speak to us. This blind man was not seeing who was telling him go and wash. He wasn't seeing him. He didn't even know him. He had to believe something for him to take that step to go and wash his eyes. And when he did, his eyes were opened. For the first time in his life, he could see. Maybe he was jumping. I can see. I can see. His neighbors saw him. In verse 8, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked him, "Is this asked? Is this the same man who used to sit and beg?" And some claimed that he was, others said, "No, he only looks like him." And he came out and said, "I am the man." Something had happened in his life. A change had taken place. Physical change. His eyes were opened. Even before he knew the Lord, he was a testimony of God's grace. Has it happened to you that after, after coming to Christ, getting saved, you look back and you're like, wow, God was in my life. You, you, you think of some of the things you've done and like, how did I get through that? It's making sense now. You realize that God has been involved in your life, even though you didn't pay attention to him, you didn't even, you wanted nothing to do with him, but he was involved in your life. It's happening to this plain man. The change is real, and people can see, even before he has come to the Lord, he has become a testimony. Then they asked him how did it happen? And he said, The man they called Jesus came to me. He did one, two, three, and he told me to go and wash. And I washed, and I can see. They took him to the to the Pharisees. The Pharisees wanted to know what happened. In verse 13, they brought him to the Pharisees. The day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a, was, a, was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, "This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath." Referring to Jesus, how dare you heal people on a Sabbath? How dare you display God's power on a Sabbath? They can see this man, they can hear his testimony, but they don't want to accept it. They are saying, We don't agree with you. That's what they are saying here. They call his parents. To confirm whether he was born blind. The parents come and they say, yes, he's our son. He was born blind. We don't know what happened to him. You can ask him, but we know that he was blind. They still didn't believe. They don't want to agree with him. So in verse 24, a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. And this time they tell him, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know that this man is a sinner, referring to Jesus. The blind man said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. The only thing I know is, I was blind. But now I see. Then they asked him for a second time, how? What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They probably are hoping that the story would change. The man said, I have told you already. And you do not, you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciple? And they held insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are the disciples of Moses. Now we saw last Sunday that Moses was pointing people to Christ as well. We know that God spoke to Moses, but for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, I like this answer. Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sin as he listens to the godly person who does his will. This is a very important lesson. We have people who don't... they have no relationship with Jesus, but they will say, I pray. No, you don't. No, you don't. Prayer doesn't work where there is no relationship. The first prayer that God hears... Is when you are turning to Jesus Christ. Where there is no relationship, there is no communication because there is no fellowship. Fellowship doesn't come before a relationship. You cannot claim that you fellowship with God and you are not related to him. And the only relationship you can have with God is through Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father but by me, Jesus says. And even you, you and I who are Christians, when we are living in sin, God will not hear our prayers. Because sin breaks the fellowship. Just as we have families, we have people in one family who don't talk to one another. Because there is unresolved issues. They meet on Thanksgiving, they look at one another, they attack the turkey, but they don't talk. There's a broken fellowship. Any believer who is walking in sin is walking in a broken fellowship. And in a broken fellowship, we are weak. A broken fellowship gives the enemy an opportunity to attack us. It gives him a footstool. That's why the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. And it also says, don't sleep in your anger. Resolve the issue before you go to bed. I'll be done in a few minutes, don't worry. Let me give you the second point, the last one. I don't know how time runs so fast. I'm not even halfway through. Well, the first point was the Lord can use our suffering to display his power. The second one, the Lord encounters us in unique and personal ways. He encounters us in unique and personal ways. That is why your testimony is different from my testimony. This man's testimony is different from others. He comes to this man first, he heals him, and then he comes back to him in verse 35. Because after... Talking with the Pharisees and the Pharisees disagreeing with him, they excommunicated him. They chased him. They threw him out of the temple. Jesus heard about it. In verse 35, Jesus comes to him and he asks him, do you believe in the son of man? This man was not a believer yet. He had experienced God's power in his healing but not in his salvation. And he asks, who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. He had received his physical sight, and here he's receiving his spiritual sight. Jesus has come to him in a unique and a personal way. You know, sometimes you listen to people's testimony, and, and, and you hear a testimony that is so dramatic. And you look at yourself, and you're like, wow. I can't fit in there. And then it makes you feel like your testimony is not that good. It is. You know why? Because he met you in a unique and a personal way. And when you realize that, you will know that you have a testimony. We are all different in our experiences, and all those experiences are meant to glorify God. Whether you came to Christ as a child, whether you came to Christ as a grown-up, it doesn't matter. What matters is, he is in your life now. And if he's not in your life now, You have an opportunity. Because this Christ is not only willing, he is able to forgive you. He's not just, you know you can be willing but not able. Have you shared your problem with someone and they say, oh, I wish I could help? They are willing, but they are not able. And you can also be able but not willing. But Jesus is willing to save you and he is able to do it. And all you need is to turn to him today in obedience, in submission, like the blind man, and just listen to his voice and obey it. Turn to him and ask him to forgive you and to save you, and he promises to do it. It's called repentance turning. Where you realize that this life that I'm living is a sinful lifestyle and Christ is offering me a new life and turning to him for it. He is able and willing to do it. And maybe you will also say, I was blind, but now I can see. I was lost, but now I have been found. Praise be To the name of the Lord. I want to be sensitive to, to us. Let me just remind you these two points God can use suffering to display His power. And he encounters us in unique and personal ways. This is the message Jesus is the light that gives us sight, he is the light that gives us sight. Without him, we are lost. With him, we are safe. But for us to experience that sight, we must realize that we are blind and admit that he is the only one who can give us that sight. As a believer, this should be your prayer. In Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, it should be your prayer as a believer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If you believe in Jesus, it should be your desire to want to do What pleases him. If you don't, like I said, you have an opportunity to do that today. Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your faithfulness. I pray, Lord, that you may apply this message to your people's lives in ways that can glorify you. I pray that you may speak to that one person, Lord, who has had questions because of what is happening, that they may realize that you are able to display your power in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that if there is one person here who does not know you, who is yet to believe in Jesus Christ, that this may be his or her day to turn to you.